Shaolin shadow boxing. And the Wu Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu Tang sword can defeat me? On guard. I'll let you try my Wu Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Yeah, but uh, okay, so that's enough sort of parenting talk. Let's talk about, you know, gangster rap. <laughs> All right, so uh, welcome. This is uh, the Here You Are Wasa podcast, and I believe we're into the 50s or we're at 50 podcasts now. And, yeah, uh, we, this might be 50. This is 50, woo right. I just woo. All right, so we're going to uh, – I'm one of your hosts, Dino, and I'm here with my man – I'm Eric. And we, we invited our friend Rob Menser to come along because uh, the three of us are obviously um, purely the, the hip-hop audience, right? Right, Rob? Uh, yeah, look. Yeah. Who, why not us? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Rob used to be a hip-hop journalist, right? Exactly. That's right. Yes. That's right. I got my start. That's absolutely See? right. Writing uh, writing about rap music for the Columbus Alive. I was the I was the one guy on the of the freelancers who knew anything about uh, like cared at all about anything besides like well, I don't know what garage rock. Uh, and um, yeah, I made my uh, it was my first paying writing gig. But you also did it in the city. You also did it in Chicago too, right? And also, yep. And then in Chicago, right? Contributed to the Chicago Reader a little bit. That was that was to, you know more competitive, right? It was harder. I got a I got a few pieces in, um, few, uh, more pitches than uh, published pieces in that publication. But you got to go to a lot of shows, I bet. For sure, and a bunch of uh, free free garbage CDs. I guess they I, they probably don't even distribute. Uh, promo cds anymore probably do they no yeah. yeah so it's it's the 25th anniversary of the wu-tang album enter the 36 chambers i don't know what that that's somebody rubbing their hands but uh so i i i was the the question becomes you know what what impact or, or what what do we think about the Wu? you know like were were you guys Wu are are you Wu Tang fans? Rob? Was, definitely was. Okay. What about now? I mean, I kind of lost track of them like, you know, I I think as I, everyone right did um uh after the sort of the W or whatever phase, but um but the Enter the 36 Chambers and and Wu Tang Forever are total classics to me Eric? Yeah. yeah i i come across some ghostface killer records every once in a while i mean he seems to be perpetually putting out decent records but so, yeah i've sort of lost track of them as well right so my question to both of you and we'll start with eric so what was it about wu-tang in the beginning, when you first discovered them, or when did you first discover them? Uh, I discovered them on Eighth Avenue. I had a friend who was just super into them, and basement of his house. And I think I actually discovered one of was it Giza's record, Liquid Swords. Yeah, Liquid Swords, absolutely. Yeah. I think that was my first Wu-Tang record that I heard. Okay. Which was genius. Just, it was just some, yeah, exactly. And it was just, it was something so different that I had to find out more. So sort of backtracked and started to, started to just pick up and listen to more and more of it. Rob, when did you, uh, what's your first Wu-Tang memory? <laughs> it is, um, uh, it is driving around Oxford, Ohio with my friend Nathan Chambers, uh, and he put on, um, well, it was, I guess it was, it was Wu-Tang Forever, so it was, I probably missed uh, some of the the early years or whatever. I was not um, I, as into hip-hop at that time, and uh, but but he put on um, uh, Wu-Tang Forever, and uh, it was like, 
it was like, what is this? It was they're like, uh, it has that like long monologue at the start with the um, the 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 five percent nation stuff, um, like really like a sermon, and it's like bananas. It's like uh, 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 talking about. Um, how it's ridiculous to believe in evolution. Uh, man is not descended from monkeys and, uh, and whatever, like God is not a spook in the skies. Uh, he's the black man right here on earth. Uh, it's, it was, it was bananas. And um, the, the sort of mythology of the Wu Tang was uh, very potent to me. And I was, I was into it. Yes. Was it really a part of them, though? I mean, they, I mean, I never really dug into it, but they were always in such huge support of it. But did it actually parallel with true Wu Tang Shaolin mythology? I mean, like you never know, right? The uh, uh, I, I, it's like a bit, it's a bit hard to tell, at least to me, um, th- th- how much of it was like just sort of RZA's um, image building machine, um, which was substantial. I mean, like Wu Manor and all this like sort of comic book mythology stuff um, was very, very much intentional and, and created so to give the group this sense of mythology. And so it fits into that very well. But like it was also going around. I mean, at that time, like it was a lot of hip hop, stuff was into that was into five percent nation uh, uh theology uh at that time it was very it was very popular yeah see i i was i you know i think it was probably around that same time around well it was maybe a little earlier like in 95 or so when i first heard you know the 36 chambers record and i just for me it was what the fuck did they just say you know, just literally, I, I was in like Honesdale, Pennsylvania, and some guy I was with was like, "Hey, you got to hear this tape," and we listened. And I just, I'm like, "This sounds cool, I think, but I don't know if I like it." And it was, it was sort of so strange to me that I'm like, "This is way outside." And all I kept thinking was, and, and this is this is me looking back, was this this uh, what RZA was doing was sort of taking what Prince Paul was doing to this other level where like Prince Paul and Dela and in the sort of the what did that what were those guys called the the native tongues or the native voices or whatever that was sure. was yeah he was Rizza was taking sort of that almost album structure and sort of the way he produced things with the skits in the in the the spoken sections in the middle and just taking it to taking it to the streets and taking it to some sort of weird Kung Fu movie. And I was like, okay, I can see where, where we are, where this, where this is part of hip hop. But it was, it was so foreign to me that I was like, this, this isn't, this, this is, I don't, I don't know what the hell this is. Cause right. Just, like, like Prince Paul had made hip hop concept albums, Yes, you know, but this was that, but like hard edge as hell. Hard. Yes. Really hard. You know, like, like it was, you had the sense that they were actually dangerous, you know, like, like, okay, so I don't know who these people are, but this sounds scary to me, you know. But when you bring in ODB, they really were, I mean, to do straight nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Giza and Prince Paul work together, right? Yes, I do. And and Riza did, they did Gravediggers right after 36 Chambers. Right. And so... You know, that's that was one of those things where I'm like, all right, cool. Now I now I that was sort of the moment where I was able to go, okay, so all right, so Prince Paul understands this and I kind of understand Prince Paul, so I'm gonna spend some more time with this. And it didn't it didn't help because it was it like I said, it was like I'm I'm not a kung fu movie guy and I'm not a comic book guy and so and I'm not, you know, a, a african-american fellow from staten island so i just really didn't i just sort of wasn't sure what the hell was going on so i kind of i sort of know what you you mean like so I, because i was never not really a comic book guy either i really didn't read comic books um growing up or and yeah i'm not or kung fu movies exactly and so really like i experienced it through through wu-tang clan as like this like just like 
bonkers backstory that was like hard to take in. What even is this? But I, to me, that was that was a, a, a feature, not a bug. That was cool. Right. See, I was a kung fu guy, and I was a comic book guy, and I never related any of that to Wu Tang. What I liked about them was that they took this pile of shit, this mess, this lyrical style that nobody was doing and nobody really understood, and turned it into something that just worked. They were like Bismarcky back in the day. Nobody knew what the fuck he was doing either. And he's making hit records. I always thought that was amazing that they could they could just take something that was so obscure and turn it into something cohesive. I think I was always um like I was always a big fan in the in the nineties uh rap of I I loved the uh the the crew track, you know, uh, scenario uh, for yeah. Tribe Called Quest or whatever. Like it was like that was like an institution on rap albums. There would be a song that would have ten rappers on, right? You know, there's what I a mean? term for uh, it. Right? I just saw a and, term for it on Twitter. Yeah, and those are well, whatever they were. I I I always love those songs, and I do think like to, like Wu Tang's innovation. One of their many innovations was that they could just make a whole album like that. They just have twenty guys. <laughs> like they have a, they've got nine rappers. They've got these like uh, affiliated rappers who could come on. Um, everybody gets a verse uh, or whatever. Many get a verse, and um, uh, and it could kind of work. I, I think that was a, uh, a, a to me a big part of the appeal for sure. Mm-hmm. Like because then like because ODB like I actually I love ODB and I do think you know he he's amazing as a he captured a bananas energy that was great but like really do you really spin the odb solo album not really but when odb comes on a wu-tang track it's awesome it's the best right, right. yeah i just shimmy shimmy yeah though i'll, I'll right. take that anyway yeah yeah no no for sure for sure yeah, I just but like name 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 three more songs off the album. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I know. I know. I own the CD, and you know, and I'm and I'm grateful that I do. But at the same time, I haven't played it in 15 years. You know. So. But you. But you know his his uh, you, you know you can you can know some of his catchphrases on Wu Tang records. Right. Oh yeah. It's like just the right just the right ratio of of uh of old dirty bastard. Right. Yeah. So so then um so the the question is, were were they, are the albums the Wu albums being so, so crew based? How did they how did they these guys break out like on their own? Like how much content were they making that? You know, like Raekwon, Jesus Christ, that dude put out a lot of records and the Liquid Sword <laughs> records. And who's, I mean, I don't even know who Bobby Digital was. You know, like. <laughs> it's RZA. Is RZA Bobby this Digital? Is, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. This is, but this is, this is one of the, uh, um, this is the other thing that's fascinating about, um, uh, the Wu Tang Clan and really RZA. This was it was RZA was the architect of this. Um, was that it was the plan all along that um, that they could get a uh, it was it was a it, he had a business innovation in addition to um, to artistic innovations of getting a, a record deal that was structured so that by design they would have a big Wu Tang record and then a bunch of solo records um, and and it worked that's exactly how it how it turned out they it was the plan to have method man come out first and then odb and then whatever however it went you know so like and it splintered through record labels too yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just you know we have to stick to this label so it was able to they were more flexible in that sense wow yeah which i think was like they if i remember right i think it was like a thing they fought for mm-hmm that that Just each cool. guy like each guy sort of had the right to either be on whoever released the Wu records and then or be to go somewhere else. Free agency, right? Wow, yep. holy shit! Like that's and it's funny because that's different than 
that's a hundred percent different than what Ice T did just a, a few years beforehand with the Rhyme Syndicate, where he essentially locked those guys down. You know, like Ice T's Rhyme Syndicate was sort of the same amount of guys. Like there were probably twenty guys on that record, and uh, and all of them stayed with Ice T and the label, and just you know, like Everlast and House of Pain came out of Rhyme Syndicate and. They had they put those first House of Pain records out on the same label that Ice T was on because the contract sort of locked them down. Like, yeah, I'm going to give you a platform here, and we'll call it the Rhyme Syndicate, and we're going to be a crew, but your solo records are going to be part of this as well. And so, that that's and that's kind of I mean it's that's kind of what benefits the record label more, right? And so it's kind of like that's it's kind of um, remarkable that they had the presence of mind or the were able to have the leverage to do that but um yeah i think it's i think it in my understanding eric maybe you know more is i think it's all attributable to to the rizza right i mean it was, right and i think that's part yeah. of his brilliance is i think that he was able to see this because the 36 chambers was a great album and if you were a hip-hop fan it was it's classic it's never going to die but i think one of the things that really helped them helped to drive them into mainstream was some of those splinter albums method man's Tikal was you know i mean he won a grammy for something on that record you know right. so they he was he was able to move wu-tang out into all of these different factions i mean look at method man now he's a tv host yeah <laughs> you oh, know yeah. and i think to some degree he was able to rizzo was able to see the potential in you guys and it's 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 amazing. And at the same time, some of them haven't ever moved out into the world. You know, like, you know, I don't even know who all the guys in the Wu-Tang, like there was, I think there was some guy called One God, right? You God. You God, God yeah. right. I, if I'm, I think he has written a, a memoir. Oh, okay. Uh, we can learn about uh, uh, You God. I think it's like just out. Okay, well, good. And then like, yeah. I mean, Ghostface did a bunch of stuff, but then you see Ghostface sort of, just showing up in interviews from time to time, and you're like, yep, that's right, you're in the Wu-Tang. I just, I forgot, you know, but... <laughs> and then, I don't I don't actually know what Jizza looks like. Like, <laughs> I don't know that that's a real person, you know. So. No, I know, I couldn't, I couldn't name, I couldn't name all the members of the Wu-Tang Clan, you know. I thought there were a lot more when I was looking it up yeah. before this, but apparently there's not that many. I think there's maybe like ten. Let me see if I can find the list quickly. Here. All right, still a lot. I got, lot, I got it here. We oh, go. yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. It's Rizza, Jizza, sure. ODB, yeah. Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, Inspected Deck. Again, no idea. Oh, I forgot is. about Inspected Deck. Yeah, You yep. God, Master sure. Killer, and Master uh, Killer, of course, and Capadonna, who came in later, who who put out a record that I love. You know, so yeah, he yeah, was, it was that. Would, yeah, there would be like there would be like Wu Tang songs yeah. featuring Capadonna, right? And exactly. so it was never like clear because yeah. like, he. So wait, so is he in it or not? So he, so he. It says here that uh, um, he became a full time member of the Wu on on the W. So that that's when they were it, the right. songs were no longer marked as featuring Capadonna. <laughs> he was just a guy. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't know who. I, I have no idea who Master Killer or You God are. You know, uh, I couldn't. Or yeah, Inspector Deck. You know, like I don't. I don't know who those. I mean, their real names are Elgin Tur Turner, Lamont Jody Hawkins, and Jason Hunter. So, well, like I was doing well at the beginning of the list. You know what I mean? Right. Like, those guys. The first guys are like the the identifiable right. ones. But yeah, like I don't. I ugh, boy, uh, uh, I'm not sure I can call to mind an Inspector Deck verse. So Inspected Deck became a producer primarily for Big Pun and Prodigy. So, okay. All right. You God, uh, there's done, he's done nothing. Um, Wrote a book. Yeah, that's right. And he um, had a beef. Yeah, he had a beef. Um, they, called, they called his rap style blaxploitation rap. Um, and then, you know, Master Killer... Uh, no, he he did he did release something called No Said Date in uh, uh, two thousand. Hmm. So yeah, 
but yeah, that's it. Not a great title. No, not really. No. So yeah, that's, that's funny that we just sort of, you know, like there, there are these standouts, but at the same time, you know, like I'm guessing that's the way it is in all the big crews, but, but then again, who's similar? Like, are, can you name another crew like this? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we can't. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, like, I was thinking, like, after Eminem got famous, he he put out the D12, right. you know? Yeah. Um, which was structurally similar, but it was like a total joke. Like they were all bad. Right. You you know what I mean? Like it's no the the Wu Tang had a like unified um, uh, aesthetic and right. and a, a plan. You know. Right. So I always like for me, the deal is I always have to in my head when I think about Wu-Tang, I always think about the movie, the Spike Lee movie Clockers, you know, where uh, Very movie. right in those those guys all sitting around on the benches and the projects. I just imagine that's the Wu-Tang clan. Like those, those are the guys sitting around doing whatever it is they're doing. And then Riza shows up and he's like, hey, I got this four track. Let's go make a. a you know, karate inspired album. And they're all like, yep. Okay. You know, I just, for whatever reason, I just sort of, that's how I visualize them because anything else is just too complicated for me. Well, like Rizzo was like a guy who was like, um, uh, into chess. Yeah. And, uh, he, you know, he, he was, he, his, uh, his image and he, he was a control freak. I think, um, he seems, seems like he was, you know, fairly unpleasant to work with in some ways but um but he you know he his, he put out an image of the guy who was like in fully in control and right. the chess thing is not incidental like knew like had a plan knew what what the next moves were and um and so i you know it, it's always a uh, part one of the part of the genius and part of why honestly i think probably part of why I, I and everyone else lost the, lost touch with the Wu Tang was um, that there was that much that level of control, and then to bring the energy of old dirty bastard, right? Totally out of control, the most out of control. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We're uh, we're gonna have into that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have this tight crew around this tight mythology, and okay, ODB, we we really need you to do something. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Oh, what are you gonna do? I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to do something, you know, and like, you know, you just sort of go, okay, so he's the court jester figure. He's the, you know, he's to, to go back to college English major shit. He's the trickster figure, you know, but at the same time, I never got the sense that ODB was conscious of any of that. Like, I just thought he was, you know, he was DMX before he was just the fat version of DMX, you know, without the anger and, you know, yeah, I just you watch those those early videos like on Amazon Prime. There's a documentary about the Wu Tang Clan, and I've been watching it sort of bits and pieces every day. And seeing a young ODB is just amazing. Like he's he was that fucked up as a young man too, you know. And then he just got money and just <laughs> I mean became absolutely bonkers. You know, but yeah, and I mean, look, I'm, you know, look, I he was a troubled guy. I yeah. don't, you know what I mean. I I think it's, it's, you know, we can romanticize it, and there is something like romantic. He 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 took his persona, who he was, right. to the absolute limit. But like, I, you know, I I'm sure he was like an unhappy person who died very young. Right. Like that, you know, he 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 had troubles. Right. But it's just that he was whatever that's that's art right he was he was willing to put that out into the world in a in a way that really was i mean it's delightful he's great right he could rap oh yeah for sure oh yeah um but mostly he was just hilarious right yeah i mean he he really wrote the check and he and he ultimately paid for that check you know to kind of be that that sort of standout kind of cat and uh whereas you sort of thought you know, okay, so Method Man seems like he's going to fuck himself up, but he never did, you know? Yeah, no, he was in, yeah, he was in charge. Right. Right. The other, the other woo, the other guy's Jizza for sure was like, had that same kind of quality of like, in control guy. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. And the other thing that's interesting in the the documentary is the role of Riz's parents and family in this. Like, they they talk about uh, the the uncle. They he, I think they call him Uncle Wu, and he's uh, Riz's uncle. And he was essentially their first tour manager slash manager. And, uh, you know, he was the guy who, what the hell is that? <laughs> are, are we, what, what is happening? Eric? The guy's got a drink. Yeah, I guess. Thirsty. Holy cow. Yeah. But, uh, um, you can hear that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought it was on mute. No. Flashing at me like it's on mute. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm just is it on mute now. Well, yeah, we're, we're, no, we're here. Loud and clear, buddy. Oh, well, sorry about that, That's everybody. All right. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, you know, like this, the Wu-Tang documentary is really quite cool because it's sort of, you know, it's a lot of kind of archival footage. That's really quite cool to sort of see, you know, like the first basement where they were. And, you know, Riz has, has kept all of his equipment over the years. And so he's like, yeah, this is what... I was able to afford and this is how we recorded and like uh they talked about how the the first video they shot it themselves and the thing that MTV thought was so cool was and and I didn't remember this there was time code at the bottom of the screen like mm-hmm. from the video production and normally the video a video takes that out at the end but the Wu-Tang guys couldn't figure out how to get rid of it <laughs> wow so they just left it in there but it just worked it right. worked exactly because it was, it was that, that impression was aesthetic of, yeah, yeah that it's so raw you know but yeah. rob did you ever see the wu-tang live i didn't i saw uh i saw the jizza in chicago in the whatever 2000s um but that's the closest i think i've i think i've come what was that like <laughs> Uh, it was a good show. I mean, it was a, just a, it was a, it was regular. You know what I mean? The guy's a good rapper. He had a new album out. It was, it was normal. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like, I mean, it was just like a couple guys on the stage rapping. It was good, but, um, but it was a far cry from a, a Wu Tang experience, I think. Eric, did you ever see the Wu? No, I stood in line at Penn Station once with Method Man, but. Never, <laughs> that's pretty good. Never actually saw them on stage. That's pretty close. That's, yeah. that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. I, what up for hay or something to me? So right. Yeah. No, I've never seen them either, and and that's one of the you know they're sort of infamous for kind of not all showing up to shows and the shows going on anyway. <laughs> or somebody that you never thought was in Wu-Tang Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right, just right, yeah, just yeah, that exactly. guy. You know, like. Yeah, but I so that's but how I was, Capadonna got in the group. He right. just sort of <laughs> showed up one day. Right. Yeah. Do you know the lyrics? You do? Okay, you're here. You're okay, you're up. So he wanted to be a part of it, so he just kept showing up and right. then he's finally had Yeah, exactly. He's at all the shows. You're in the band. All right, good for you. So Yeah. So so then after after the thirty six chambers, you know, how how did you guys track the Wu Tang? Like do you own the other did you own the other records? Did you buy them when they came out? I definitely owned the, the W. One. Yeah. And then and and Iron Flag too. I owned Iron Flag. That came out two thousand one. And then that's it. That was it. Eric? And then uh I consider buying the um the one that uh Martin Shkreli bought, you know, at oh, auction. Right. Sure. But right. uh, but he beat, uh, he beat you to it? Yeah, he beat me out in the auction, yeah. And... Uh, I bought the first two, and then I acquired some of the other ones through, I don't know if it was your hard drive, Dino, or just downloads. So I I don't, I I can't even think of them off the top of my head, so clearly they didn't make an impression like they did. I mean, it's it's a pretty big drop-off, you know what I mean? Even even after just i mean whatever the, most groups don't put out two classic albums but after wu-tang forever it's a it's a pretty big drop off i think and for the subsequent wu albums yeah so I've, i still listen to 36 chambers once in a while and i'll listen i listen to a lot more of the solo records yeah yeah i can still right sure i can still put on supreme clientele or 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 you know a jizza record cuban the built for yeah yeah built, yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Think of the name now. Built, built for Cuban Only links. Built for Cuban links. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. 
Oh my god, I played that record out. That was one of my favorite. Wow. So I'm just uh I happened to click on the link of the list of uh Wu Tang affiliates. Even <laughs> even the language that they use to describe their friends is, you know, quite interesting. So but it's just a ridiculous amount of human beings that that they're that are that they consider affiliates. You know, like yeah, I don't know who the hell these people are, but Wow. Yeah. And so I, I own all of the Wu-Tang records. So I've got 36 Chambers. I bought Wu-Tang Forever. I thought that was a big deal. The W was a, like, that was a really hyped release. Like there was a lot right. of, there was a lot of push going into that. And, uh, and then Iron Flag was sort of the, a little bit of the same thing. And then after that, the two, the two that came after that, the two official releases were Eight Diagrams and A Better Tomorrow, which just came out like four years ago. And yeah, the fall off to those last two records was just super noticeable. It's like, yeah, you're, it's not the same. It's, it just didn't feel the same at all. And, but at, in, in Riz's end of things, the production of it just sort of didn't feel the same either. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I own them and that's great, but they're probably never coming off the shelf again. So yeah. I wonder why that was. You don't hear a lot about why behind it. You know, I know you God and and Capadonna had some falling out with some of the other crew, but I'm just curious why some of that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I yeah. Good. Oh, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a good theory. I was gonna, I was just gonna agree. It's that it's a that it's a it's a good question. I, what I was gonna say, I guess, is that um, is that you know, hip hop is 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 different, like than rock music for instance in that it, oftentimes hip-hop is a lot more uh amenable to artists kind of like aging or you you know what i mean like like scarface can put out a good record right uh, in the in the 2000s like 20 years after his the start of his uh career and like it's not like um it's not like rock music where there's just like an understanding that you at some point you're you're bad. Um, uh, that's not quite fair to all old rock music. There's still some, you know, whatever people who are good, but you know what I mean? Um, but, but so it didn't happen with Wu-Tang. It just didn't happen though. That's the, that's, that's the point. And I don't, I don't have a good theory about why. I, I think the deal is it's just, I mean, part of it is they all just went their separate ways. The planet that was Wu-Tang, the orbit obviously wasn't as strong as it was in the beginning. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, who knows where they all live now, you know, and that, that sort of distance in both relationships and physicalness is, I obviously manifests on these records, you know, because I would imagine it's hard to get everybody together in the same place. And so the energy of, of that sort of collaboration is, is, you know, is what happens. And it's, 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 I think it's manifest on those records. Like you can see it in, in a lot of people, you know, like, like the recent stuff that Chuck D has put out, who I think is a hero, is, you know, is much diminished over, you know, yeah. the stuff from the beginning. And it's it's still incredibly vibrant and important, but it's not it takes a nation of millions or you <laughs> right, know Right. Nor will it be. Right. And so that yeah. whatever the whatever the moment that creates something like Enter the or Enter the Wu Tang and you know, whatever made the thirty six chambers happen they can't they're not able to recreate that you know the other thing oh go ahead no go ahead well the other thing i mean just to put in the mix is um uh rizza's production what really really was innovative um, in the '90s, early 2000s, um, the, you know the the um, not just the layering into the kung fu music, but like the like minimalism and the sort of dark, uh, sort of gothic feeling of of the beats. Um, and then there was like this golden era of of rap production in the 2000s, at, with like guys, whatever Timbaland and the Neptunes. And I do think, to some extent, RZA was surpassed as a rap producer. 
Um, which not to take away from what he did, you know, he defined a really interesting, really cool sound. But I do think that maybe that could be kind of true that like the rap beats just started to be more di- well, just di- different, sophisticated, different, at least, you know. And definitely more pop. Yeah, and definitely more pop. And definitely more pop. Wu-Tang was never pop. The Neptunes, Timberland, Puffy, they were all pop. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way to sort of doubt that the that the that the movement or the the whatever the direction of hip hop as a culture changed massively, you know, like right. No, no, you're onto something, Eric. You're onto something for sure because because right, that was the Wu Tang was big. Wu Tang was a big group, but mm-hmm. they were very much within hip hop. And it was, was, and it was very dark still then. Yeah, I mean, it was still and it real was, gritty, right? Right, right, right. They had a foot in. They had a foot in sort of '90s gangsta rap. Right. Yeah. And then, and then in the 2000s, rap just took over the world. You know, Outkast uh, um, and and um, whatever the the world's biggest pop groups were were rap groups for a little while there. Yeah. Yeah. Smiths and right. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It really did sort of all of the, it, you know, all of the direction changed completely. Like it went from, you know, Onyx and even Run DMC and all of these sort of dudes who who valued hard. Like that was a that was a word that they used, right. you know, were hard and, you know, tougher than leather and public enemy and, and the West Coast guys and you know, DOC and NWA and those dudes. And I'm just saying shit that I love at this point. Um, but those guys, you know, just were hard. And then all of a sudden, okay, so we're going to drink champagne now. And we're gonna- well, but I mean, it's not just like, like I'll just, uh, just to say for it, like, yeah. it, you know, some of those, some of those super popular group, you know, rap groups and sort of the peak of rap's commercial, Yep. success we're, we're really good we're at eminem or outcast are good They're, that's not that you know that's not like will smith <laughs> uh uh that's like that's like aesthetically awesome um but uh you know missy elliott i will i will ride for missy elliott missy. all yeah, day long right yeah and um and she was one of the biggest stars in music and so so at its best it could sort of you know that the 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 best of it in the 2000s was able to straddle the like um, commercial stuff with like legitimately avant-garde sounds or like like dense rhymes or whatever. Um, but it was it did have a different it was more pop oriented. Like it just it was not to say it's good or bad, but it was as you say. Le- a little less hard or like invested in the the griminess of uh, of a Wu Tang Clan record. See, but I think Missy is super grimy. I think yeah. Missy is super hardcore, but she was more accepted because the the I, I get it wasn't the way she spoke. It was the the words that she used to speak it. I guess Wu Tang wasn't going to back down and start making pop songs, taking out all the curse words. Wu Tang was going to be Staten Island to know. Right. right right yeah like even meth's video with mary j blige you know he's got the one contact in that his hair is all fucked up and he's just sitting there in a carhartt jacket and timberlands bobbing and it's like okay this is mary j blige man this is you know <laughs> stand up and turn the lights on for fuck's sake but you know he didn't just never did it he just you know they just they never relented from that that were we're going to hold this forever, you know? So, yeah. So, um, so we've been going for a while. I just, I wanted to wrap up with, with a, with a question that I thought would be, uh, would be fun or not really fun, but a good way to wrap this up. So, so where do you guys, so you guys are both relatively serious old school hip hop fellas. So when you look back at, at your, your hip hop life, where does, where does Wu Tang or specifically, We'll just go with Wu Tang. Where does Wu Tang fit? Like, how do how do they fit into uh, the cookbook that is your hip hop life? Hmm. 
I can answer it. Yeah. I can I can definitely answer that, which is they were one of part of the the leading edge of me rediscovering hip hop. So I was a so rap was the first music that I liked. Not the very first, but like it was it was my own. I would like be listening to like this like whatever uh, 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 horrible gangster rap on in my Walkman right. on my Walkman in the backseat of my parents' car, you know. Um, and so I, I definitely grew, grew up with uh, um, with the Public Enemy and and NWA and, and Ice Cube's Death Certificate and whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but then, but then I made the terrible mistake of um, uh, drifting over into like you know punk rock emo uh, uh, ska music, which I know oh we're we're, we're all. We're all supposed to pretend like that yeah. that never happened. Right, it was a yeah. thing, and um, uh, and like indie rock. You know what I mean? I was like, right. so then for a little while I was like a, a indie punk kid, and then it was in college. It was this. It was from this car ride with Nathan Chambers playing Wu Tang Forever that I was like, what the hell is this? Oh my god! And uh, and it and it hundred percent led me to get aggressively back into hip hop um and uh uh and i was like this is now I, I i i wasted a lot of time listening to a lot of whiny uh emo music <laughs> yeah and that th- those days are over are you still <laughs> uh, yeah no i don't i don't i hardly listen to any rap, uh rock music today so what about nice. you eric where where is where's wu-tang in there for you Oh, they're right up there. I mean, they're top five, top three. I mean, they're, you know, they're, yeah, I mean, they're, because they're New York rappers, and I was always New York everything. Right. Um, All of my favorites were from that area, no matter what borough it was. And these guys just had something unique. Like, Eric and Rakim had something unique. Like, Big Daddy Kane had something unique. You know, all of these guys that were standouts from the rest were always the top, line for me so yeah see for me the wu-tang is 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 less of a like a less of a visceral thing and it's almost more of a i academically know that they're important you know (laughs) it's you know because i i know that they're important and i and i do truly like what rizza does but if if i'm honest it's i i don't put on uh you know, Wu-Tang Forever, the W or Iron Flag. I go to the other stuff, like his work with uh, um, Dame Dash and the Black Keys on that Black Rock record or, you know, Legends of the Liquid Sword or, you know, Bobby Digital and this stuff. Or the um, the thing with the man with the Iron Fist, that Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. movie that he, that he did the soundtrack for, that stuff, for whatever reason is, is more, more to my palate. But I, but at the same time, I know that Wu Tang is important. Like I, it's it's it is important to know, to have that knowledge and to have some, a deeper understanding of like you do the work and you listen to the records and you're like okay, I feel like I got these records and, you know I get where they go and I and I understand that sort of stuff. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm picking a record that I've listened to more, whether it be you know La Coca Nostra from everlast or his new his new record um the war whatever it is um porn yeah i don't know what that's called war zone war anyway. porn war porn war porn industries. yeah war porn industries okay. you know that that sort of stuff i i listen to to that stuff more and it's it's funny because you guys both talked about sort of gangster rap a little bit as i've grown older i've i've really sort of just kind of like when people talk about gangster rap and shit, I just like, ah, I don't, that's not my, that was, I listened to it at the time, but I don't think I. Yeah. It was like, well, it's like kind of a distinct, it was like sort of a distinct moment, you right. know? Yeah. But like, when was the last time you put a ghetto boys record on? Or <laughs> <laughs> You're asking, you're asking the wrong, you're asking the wrong guy because <laughs> I, uh, um, just within the last, <laughs> literally within the last week, oh my God. I got, uh, I got, pulled into a uh spotify rabbit hole okay. um oh my and God. i and i and i so listened to and i listened to um 
I, I where I started putting on like whatever stuff I haven't literally haven't listened to since seventh grade. Sure. And uh, and the Ghetto Boys second album was absolutely oh. a part of it. And um, the uh, uh, in particular, I I I got to the line. Um, uh, I walk around with a oh, smirk. Yeah. Fuck school. Fuck curfew. Fuck homework. <laughs> and I was, and I just remember being in, being in eighth grade or whatever. I mean, like, yeah, that was like the oh best. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's right. Yeah, and see for yeah, me, I was playing around with GarageBand I think a few weeks ago, and and I got into one of those rabbit holes too. And I decided, oh, you know what? Somebody needs to bring back the sample from uh, my mind's playing tricks on me. So, <gasps> yes. Yeah. I was I was all into the ghetto boys a few weeks ago. <laughs> I, I got but so but your your point is well taken, Dino. Like I, it was explicitly like nostalgic, and it was not like something that I was just like putting on while I was you know making dinner or whatever. Right. Like I you know we we all know Dan Newman, and like when when Dan and I end up talking about music from time to time, he's like, yeah, I only listen to gangster rap, and it's always. I mean, part of this is because it's Dan, but it's always just the most horrible shit that that I, I listen to, and I'm like, dude, just you have to stop listening to that. Just whatever you're you're feeding, you are literally feeding your misogyny, buddy. You are just feeding it, you know. Yeah. And at it's, the, I mean, yeah, it's hard to get past. Right? Like, yeah, if you never, you know, if 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 you really in, just think I'm going to listen to a too short record today and think that's okay, you're like, oh. Okay, what the fuck, you know? But, <laughs> but yeah, it, man, you know, yeah, but that'll, but that'll you know bring I mean? back some memories, though, because yeah. right. I was watching no Black Panther last right. night again. And there's some too short in there. Is there really? Yeah, at the beginning of the movie. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> so oh sure. Uh, Oakland right? playing basketball. Yeah, yeah. yeah when they're oh, playing basketball. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right, Oakland. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Too yeah. Short. Right, but it, you know, like. I don't want to listen to I don't want to listen to Big Pun. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I don't want to listen to what you know, uh, King T. You know, but at the same time, I, King T. Right, but it's like okay, it's just and it's because I just don't want to hear. I don't want to hear people talk about that shit anymore. And it's but it. I know that it like when I I still own like there are CDs that I've gotten rid of, but I can't get rid of the King T records. Like if you were to come into my house, you'd be like. You seriously, you haven't gotten rid of this thing yet? And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not getting rid of, I'm not getting rid of booty tails or whatever the fuck, you know? AMG. Yeah, like I have, AMG. I have every Ice T record on every format that I own. Like I have the power tape, you know, where it's Ice T and his wife and some, maybe a DJ, I don't even know, but some guy on the cover, you know, or. Ice T's Iceberg record, Jesus fucking Christ! There's a there's like a a, a producer interlude where he takes a drill like the, it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. I took a drill oh, and God. I'm screwing it into it or drilling into a dude's brain. Okay, stop. <laughs> you know, like okay, Ice, you just you've lost your mind now. You know, so but yeah, so I I'm I'm absolutely enthralled by you know kind of how Wu Tang has kept its place in all of our lives. Like it has. It it seems like it's timeless. Like for whatever, like the good Wu Tang seems like a fifteen year old can still discover that and go wow today. And I just want to not let this podcast pass without yeah. um, observing the uh, that for a period of time, uh, old dirty bastard referred to himself as Dirt McGirt and That's Big right. Baby Jesus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dirt McGirt. Yep. Big baby Jesus. Yeah. Dudes and their nicknames. It's like Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. The big Nostradamus. Yeah. Big, big baby Jesus is an uh-huh. excellent rap name. I mean, right. come on. And I think he put out a record, like he, he titled the record Dirt McGirt. Like I think one of his post-prison albums, he released it as Dirt McGirt, not as ODB. So, right. yeah. All right. So, um, do, do you boys have any sort of hip hop endorsements you'd like to plug now? Like anything that you're listening to now? Man, just the Black Panther soundtrack. It's like not much of an endorsement. I think I feel like people are onto that one, but I'm still I'm still listening to it sometimes. Cool. I'm gonna get that tonight. Then I, I haven't heard that. So. Oh well, there you go. No, it's yeah. great. Eric, what do you mean you haven't heard that? I haven't. As Why? as a soundtrack, I haven't like I went to the You've movie. You seen the movie? Twice. You loved right. the movie. Why don't I, you listen to the soundtrack? Because yeah. I was too Kendrick, overwhelmed. With Kendrick Lamar, man. Really? Okay. All right. 
Jesus yeah, Christ, the man I, won a Pulitzer fucking prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's true. I should probably pay attention. So, yeah. And you, I Eric? Know, he's, still, he's still one of the greatest. I, I don't know. I don't really have anything new. I tried getting into the new J. Cole record. Not really having it. Yeah. So, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have a bad. I have oh. a bad opinion. Yeah, let's do that shit because I got two of those. Uh, my my bad opinion, my whispered opinion is, uh, the two Kanye songs yeah. I kind of like, and I think are good, <laughs> like including the uh, the People versus Kanye, where right. he, he argues argues with Ti about uh, whatever, make America great again. Like it's I don't know, it's interesting. I'm sorry, oh. it's a, it's an interesting dialogue. I it's good. Yeah, see, and and for me, the the my the whispered opinion is, I'm real. I really want to see where uh, this kid uh, Takashi Six Nine, the rainbow headed kid. You guys, do either of you know who that is? Nope. Oh wow. Okay. That now I feel cool. But so there's this kid Takashi Six Nine. He's he's a young Hispanic fella from New York, and he's just he's flat out like he's one of the tattoo on the face kind of guys you know like on his on the right side of his face he's got the number 69 tattooed incredibly big and he's nice he's got the number 69 tattooed on his body 69 times and uh and he's got rainbow hair and he's got all sorts he's he's a mess yeah he's a mess but compared to all of the other face you know face tattooed dudes the little the little guys the the little rappers and all that sort of shit um he's he's the one who actually like performs like he actually like i've seen youtube clips and it's like oh yeah that's that's what a hip-hop show is supposed to look like and like he has the microphone in his hand and it's you know he's not fucking stoned out of his mind until after the show (laughs) you know but is he good I don't know if he's good at all, but I'm interested to see what happens to him. Like that, like the little, like little pump and little Zan and the, that, that crew of dudes. I'm interested to see when they start dying. Like isn't little pump already dead? No, no. The, the white little is dead. Little pump is still alive. Oh, um, no. I don't know what the, the one who died was called, but um, yeah, he, he's the one who dated uh, the girl from the Al, Adam Sandler movie, but um, yeah, he's the, that kid had died from Xanax and propofol and shit like that. But like, you know, these, these guys in the, the Xanarchy crew, the little Xan crew and Lil Pump and those dudes, it's going to be interesting to sort of see, uh, for me, not to, not to be the old man, but it'll be interesting to sort of see when they start to die off because there's no way to take that much pharmaceuticals and not die, you know, just, yeah, I guess that's what they're up to. And that guy, like I read about this dude. Um, who's got a website called No Jumper, and he's the guy who sort of created this moment for these, the little Xanax-taking, you know, uber-drugged-out kids, and uh, he created their platform, and it's like, yeah, you know what, you're 45 years old, and you're you're a horrible predator, so, but, because these kids are just going to start dying off. I mean, that, that kid, little Xan, is like 19 years old, so... Yeah, but anyway, so hey. Um, so ahead. along those same lines, though, did you see the, the Childish Gambino oh, video? Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of shockers. I mean, what? What? Did you see that, Rob? Yeah. What the hell? There, there's something. I I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Like, his name is Donald Glover, right? Yeah. Okay, so, after, so my entire experience with him literally started at that astronaut movie uh with matt damon that's sort of the my first real awareness of him then it's atlanta yeah he played i think he stole the movie but that's just me um Mm. he was in that movie and uh and then atlanta which rob brought me to which is fucking brilliant oh it's the best oh my god i can't believe that show got gets made in 2018 that's just so cool um and then just just a little dive into childish gambino and then the the video i think happened this weekend for me and i have i have the hardest time connecting what i think is a tremendously large hollywood star to that video like i don't (laughs) I don't get a. I don't see the straight line at all. Just even if we take out the gun part, the guns part, 
in just the way he's physically moving, I don't I don't get it. I just don't get how a movie star does that. He probably shouldn't um, have shot those people though. Yeah. That wasn't very nice of him. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, it just like I sort of feel like he he Yeah, I just I don't know if he's amazing or not, but I he, I feel like he's amazing. Oh, I think this. I think he's going to be amazing, and this is going to be his last record. So, you know, if he's going to go out, he's going to go out big. Is it really his last record? Well, that's what he says. Oh, this is okay. going to be the last Childish Gambino record. So, who knows what happens? You know, he could. As long as he go... keeps making Atlanta, right? Right. <laughs> oh my God, Atlanta is just the greatest. Like I'm, I'm still way at the beginning of it, but just sort of the randomness. Like I just had the. There's the scene where, the the best friend of Paperboy or the, the friend of Paperboy goes to the gun range with the dog target and the people at the gun range lose their minds and he's standing there trying to explain to them. He's like, you guys don't know dogs in my neighborhood are nasty. I just, I'm afraid of the dog. And like some dude pulls a shotgun on him and it's just the most, um, it's just the most amazing show. I can't, I can't thank you enough, Rob. I mean, yes, it's, 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 I do what I can. It's better. It's better than the wire. I'll say it. It's better than the wire. <laughs> well, come on. You know, so let's not, let's not <laughs> get carried away. Okay. All right, you guys. Hey, thanks for doing this podcast. Hey, thanks yeah, for thanks, having Rob. me. Yeah. Thanks Rob. So, okay. So we'll talk to you guys all later. Yeah. Where we up? Look out for the cops, though. Cash food. Word up. Two for fives over here, baby. Word up. Two for fives. Some niggas got garbage down the way. Word up. Cash food. Everything around me. Cream it. Yeah. Check this old fly shit out. Word up. Cash food. Everything around me. Cream it. The money. Here we go. Check this shit. I grew up on the crime side. The New York Times side. Staying alive was no job. Had second hands. Moms bounced on old man, so then we moved to Shallon Land. A young dude, you're rocking the go tooth. Low goose, only way I begin to G York was drug loot. And let's start it like this, son. Rolling with this one and that one, pulling out gats for fun. But it was just a dream for the team who was a fiend. Started smoking wools at 16. And running up in gates and doing it for high stakes. Making my way on fire skates. No question, I was speed for cracks and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I would flow off and try to get the dough off. Sticking up white boys on board boards. My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick ass click and went all out. Catching keys from cross seas. Rolling in MPVs. Every week we made 40 G's. Yo, nigga, respect my. A nigga to check notch. Bow. Move from the gate now.
Thank you.